0: It's episode 6 of season 3 of the Chemist Confessions Podcast.
1: And who are we, Gloria?
0: We are (laughs) a human conversation between two skincare chemists. Uh, I'm Gloria.
1: I'm Victoria. About all things skincare and some. Yeah, and actually a lot has happened since we last recorded. Damn, when was the last time we recorded? Almost a month ago. Holy moly. Gloria had to leave us to go to Asia to do chemist confession stuff um it's very very dire we'll explain why when we go into branding um i also got married so if you guys i know big move big moment uh does am a real adult- yet no it's it's very hard to say like i i now in this new episode have a Spin. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> is Even for weird? Gloria, she's like, she's the work wife. So to hear that is like, wow. <laughs> um, and what else has happened? Yeah, it's just uh, a lot of things. So we're going to get right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but first things first, Gloria, can you please tell me what I'm about to drink? <clears throat> so the day is May 13th. Yeah. Cheerios. Cheers.
0: Cheers. And I decided today that it's a long episode, so we're gonna slow sip. Mm-hmm. And I have busted out my trash teeny kit. So this one has Casamigos tequila, red Gatorade. The red th- is
1: already alarming, yes. I'm sure. A
0: dash of Johnny Walker, and top it up with some uh, Trader Joe's
1: green tea pineapple flavors. Yeah. Summer vibes. Yeah, yeah. summer uh, vibes. Yeah, so cheers. cheers. Really uh, starting off Friday strong. Yeah. Um,
0: before we get into the brand update, I guess we should really talk about what the meat of the
1: episode is about. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we we're going into this with absolutely no <laughs> idea, in Kevin's confession style. So, um, yeah, today uh, we actually, um, if you notice, weren't didn't do too much on Earth Day, and we decided to dedicate this um, podcast episode towards all things. Um, just general sustainability topics, uh, cosmetics impact on the Earth that we care about mm-hmm. and want to preserve. Um, so, uh, you guys should strap in because this is going to be quite a complex topic. Yep. Um, but we are excited to kind of touch base and honestly have an honest convo about you know us being cosmetic users brand owners mm-hmm. and formulators, you know, um, and our general view of the work that's being done in the industry or lack thereof. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And we have to preface that honestly a lot of topics is hard to talk about because there isn't like yay we solved this you know it's like this is where honestly it's just a where we are kind of episode so for a while we were thinking about oh do we want to talk about it it might not have any super simple takeaways but at the same time i think it's important for us to have a status update of where we are today exactly
1: um so before all that we're really taking you for a loop um it's time to give you a quick brand update, and first things first, uh, when this podcast comes out, you guys will notice that the Better Oil has gone out of stock. Ah, <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> oh.
0: So, um, as you guys know, we brought back the Bon Voyage and then promptly went back
1: out of stock. <laughs> um, we did not predict the hoarding mentality, which we probably created based on our stock situation. Yeah,
0: it's like people don't trust us to keep things in stock or something yeah, like Yeah, that. why?
1: why? Why <laughs> is why, that? Why would, what why happened? Why
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so after a lot of hard work, um, Bon Voyage is officially back in stock mm-hmm. as of today, May 13th, and this time we should absolutely stay in stock. Hey. Hey. hey! But while we were resolving our Bon Voyage issue, we were looking at our tracking and we're like oh that's my eyes this evening. me
1: <laughs> we have about yay many
0: better oils left so
1: yeah dang it yeah so we are working on that one as well i have to say you know long story short bon voyage better oil probably one of the more challenging formulas for us as a sourcing mm-hmm production sort of formula Mm -hmm. um so yeah you know as it's honestly a great problem to have we are growing we are just trying to build out a more and more robust uh, production supply chain. So um, bear with us. We will have an update for you guys on oil timing very soon. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, let's share some nice words about other products that are in stock.
0: Yay, these are definitely in stock. (laughs) The first one is a review on our blank slate gel cleanser. Mm. Um, The title is the best. she says, I really trust the cleanser. I live in a dry area. I have combination skin and I am in my early 30s. Did I mention I also have sensitive skin? If used as directed, this cleanser delivers real results. I am no longer breaking out. I use one or two pumps for my face and neck, and use with warm water. Consistency and good products equals change.
1: I took away a star because the pump might need some tweaking, as at least beneath the pump cap. Yeah, four stars. Yeah, very honest review. And yes, the we totally acknowledge that's something we are working hard on. Um, I think Gore and I we we have really. Tried to figure out the best solution, but you know how D2C is and things in shipment. Um, yeah. Those pumps need to be very robust, and we also just don't want extra plastic, so that's why we didn't opt for a cap on top. You lose it, then you can't lock it, and, you know, so we want all the things, and we're going to work towards that. Um, so, yeah, we should have... Hopefully a solution soon. Soon.
0: We've been digging around and we're trying not to keep (laughs) I feel like every time we talk about product, each one really has its unique challenges. So bomb uh the blank slate cleanser really sits in a very delicate viscosity formula type. Mm -hmm. So there's compatibility issues. Mm -hmm. This which is why part of the reason why we landed on this original packaging. But of course the packaging has flaws, but
1: we're working (laughs) really hard on resolving. Love it. So, yeah. This brand update is actually a chemist's brand. <laughs> it is formulas. Yeah, it's about our formulas. But, anyways, okay, we're moving on to actual, it's truly nice words, not a single thing wrong. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this one is about our pro AHA booster uh, gold standard. And the title is Gold for Gold Standard. Very nice. Um, I'm on my second tube. I can use it nightly now, mixed with my other pigment-fighting serums, and have zero irritation. Nice. For me, glycolic is key for topically working on pigment, while other ingredients work on melanin suppression below the surface. Wow. They have really pro users. Very technical. Gotta tackle it from all angles, and Gold Standard really helps exfoliate. Love it
0: awesome i love this review because again time and time again we've mentioned how in all we are of our customers of our listeners Mm -hmm. our followers how in tune people are with with skin science um who really nailed it that you know glycolic acid is a really key part of your pigment fighting routine you know it just really helps you know your cells keep moving that turnover is really important for all things skin health Mm -hmm. and I also love that she talks about mixing it in a way that works for her but doesn't irritate her skin
1: yeah and I think it also highlights the fact that you gotta work kind of work at it to get there you know Mm -hmm. you always wonder how do people use these higher strength things nightly and Honestly, not only is it a personal choice, but also it takes work. It's like Gloria's best uh, boyfriend and anal- fiance analogy, excuse me. <laughs> um it's like going to the gym, right? It's something that you work up. And yeah. So otherwise, thanks for the review, guys. Yeah. So that's it. That's a brand update. Keeping it brief
0: today. Just yeah. you know, yeah, things are mostly in Yay. Stock. Woo! All, right. All right. In Ta- the news. In the news. All right, Gloria, what have we got? So, I don't know if this, this probably doesn't count as a new celebrity launch, uh, but so J.Lo already has her line of products, which was launched last year, but there's a new partnership between J.Lo and Um, So Hydrofacial is one of those treatments you can get in office, and they're partnering with like new boosters to go along with the treatment. Nice. So they have things like, it is rich in antioxidants and niacinamide. And I was like, oh. "Wow, well, what is it?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, oh, I was thinking like butt mask for your butt procedure, <laughs> hydrafacial for your booty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway,
0: it was one those news. And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." Uh, but I did want to read it because I really want to mention that once in a while, like topical skincare is really nice and all. Yeah. But. I really can't recommend enough going for some sort of in-office treatment
1: once in a while. Yeah, I could not agree more. Um, I think Gore and I this year have mm-hmm. finally like gotten to the office and done. I got to do my first microneedling procedure. I um, not even procedure. My microneedling treatment. Mm-hmm. Um and Gloria, you did a laser.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's not like it's the old therapy one. It's like a microcurrent. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like okay. something like the in office one. And it was really trippy. <laughs> yeah. It felt like the first my my sister scared the bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. She's like, it is the worst pain I've ever been in. I was like, Oh, I don't tolerate pain very well. Yeah. And I went in there in the first couple of flicks felt like rubber band to the face. Nice. And then I was like, Oh, that's not bad. And then by the end though, it was like
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, can't be you. You know, I thought I had a decent pain threshold, but then I was a baby with microneedling too. Like, it's like the bone, yeah. And I think like oh, so um, I actually got it done by our very good friend and awesome esthetician Angela from Euroclear Skincare, and I was like slowly running away from the pen and she would have to like <laughs> slide my face back and like i would slowly run away from the pen again so i yeah i we've seen so many of our friends get mm. micronealing done and they make it look like it just breezes by yeah. and man, i'm not good with that apparently yeah
0: um so yeah really highly recommend these in-office treatments Especially if you find the right esthetician, they're really like your skin-slash-face whispers and oh, therapists. Yeah. Um And the, at, at the end of the day, we don't talk a lot about at-home devices. We especially don't recommend at-home microneedling because a lot of times, like, these... Um, professionals, they can they can see things you don't and administer it just the right way. Yeah. So you know it's not just about oh like I'm running these needle or like lasers on my face. It's yeah. about doing it intentionally. Yeah. So that's why we can't recommend this enough. You don't have to go super often per se. Nope. It's just like it's like a check in.
1: Yeah. And I've I've asked Angela for recommendations. You only need it like once a year. Yeah. That's awesome. wonderful. Yeah. I did want to share this story. I know we're going off tangent. But um, basically, uh, you guys might have seen on Instagram, we posted a photo of us you know, from the wedding. The night before, we went clubbing. <laughs> and we, I, there's a good reason for this. Y'all are probably thinking, I'm nuts. But you know, after post-pandemic, you haven't seen family in a while. Mm-hmm. And my cousins, where this has never happened for, before, have decided that they all want to go clubbing. And I was not going to miss out on the opportunity to do this. So I went Gloria as my bridesmaid and support went with me. (laughs) And so that face you see in the photo is post clubbing, getting ready for bridal, you know, uh, post makeup. And while the makeup was on point, I have to say I'm like thoroughly impressed with Mm -hmm. how... We actually look decent
0: and doesn't look like we've been out. So, so I remember we got to a club around 11 p.m. Yeah. And someone in the group said these words of li- like just basically lying to themselves. They're like, oh, we're going to be there for a hot second. We're just going to club <laughs> for a that? hot
1: second. I don't think I
0: it was really you, but that. as I listened to these words, I'm like, you know, you're lying. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun it was uh it was good to see everyone so yeah no no regrets
1: yeah so no regrets was super fun i will say the morning waking up was slightly rough but we made it and the day was (laughs) awesome and our faces look decent and i think that definitely has to do with doing those you know in office um treatments so yeah I'm all for it. Yep, supplement your daily topical (laughs) routine with a
0: once-a-year in-office procedure. Yeah,
1: treat yourself. All right,
0: next. Next. Sorry, we were talking about the news. (laughs) That's right, back to the news. (laughs) Next is a bit of uh, business news. Edgewell, who owns brands that you're Hmm. probably familiar with, such as Bulldog uh, Skincare, Jack Black Skincare, and Banana Boat, Um, they announced their q2 results and they're up 50.5 percent from last year and it is primarily driven by sun care yeah so for those of you who missed out on the previous episode we did another quick overview of all things sun care um the basics of how to shop for it i think it's kind of interesting how as much bad press as sun got last year it also got a lot of people's attention of how important it is so people are looking for better sun care minerals still very much in we're seeing more hybrid products so um anyway Our content to come is, we're going to, Victoria and I will be doing a lot of testing, Mm -hmm. uh, work around these new formulas, so stay tuned for that, just want to give a preview.
1: I think it's, yeah, like you said, it's very uplifting, and sometimes I think about us when we were kids, Mm -hmm. and how difficult it was for us to want to put on sunscreen. Um, So I feel like, I don't know, I see my brother, Mm -hmm. who's eight years younger than me, be really mindful of it. I'm like, wow, we've come so far. So I don't
0: think I wore sunscreen, unless I'm going to the beach. I don't think I wore sunscreen until I was like 24.
1: (laughs) I also think that like, you know, in our time... In our generation, we'll see, like, some really hot 50-year-olds. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 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 Like, everyone's skincare is so much better. We have that to look forward to. Yeah, yeah.
0: Nice. <laughs> I strive to be a hot 50-year-old one yeah. day.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, looks like Olay has got a new launch, and this is in collaboration with Walmart.
0: Yeah. I find it really interesting that Walmart seems yeah. like they're also da- um, dabbling into... Um, yep. More active skincare yep. space. So, the Olay new boosters, they have ones like HA booster, uh, they have vitamin E, coconut oil booster. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but anyway, it's like a wild mix. I just think it's really interesting that no. even a channel like Walmart, HA seems like a term that people think are mainstream yeah, enough now to market. That's true. I will say, quick comment about this launch is. They vary wildly. Yes. Yeah. So, I highlighted two different boosters IL here. Um, The AHA one has Mm -hmm. water, niacinamide, lactic acid, glycolic acid, panthenol. That's kind of how the ingredient list reads. Uh, What that suggests is... Well, they didn't disclose percentages, and given that's Olay, it's probably milder. I wouldn't expect it to be very, very exfoliating. But since niacinamide, lactic acid, glycolic acid is like the second, third, fourth ingredients, I would still expect this to work a little bit, maybe com- comparable to a pixie Glow Toling, perhaps. Yeah. But then you have their coconut oil, which has two ingredients on the entire ingredient list, which is capcap triglyceride and coconut oil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that the selection is very random. Yeah. The fact that you get jojoba oil and coconut oil next to um AHAs, and also vitamin is just re- and and acid. acids. Like what? Very weird line, right? Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. I think like there is definitely a pressure now, like looking at Target, the way Mm -hmm. they personalize, you even get personalization in hair products that I can see Mm -hmm. like Walmart and these other retailers trying to get into it. But that's a lot of stuff. It's yeah. just, like, a lot of bottles to have to shelve, and yeah.
0: Yeah, so anyway, looking at the line, I'm like, oh, okay, AHA, and then and then they lost me in there. Like, the <laughs> rest, I'm like, do they need to be boosters? Yeah. What's the goal of the line? Yep. I don't really know, but... Yep. Anyway, just kind of interesting to see.
1: I was kind of curious about their Pantene booster line. They mm-hmm. do kind of like stuff like that um, for hair. Um, but anyways, I did want to share. They have four boosters in that line. They've got Color Enhance, Anti-Frizz, Strengthen, and Hydrate. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's like a category that is definitely growing and will probably be, have one of the biggest growths this year. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, would, I do feel like sometimes like my my shampoos just need a little bit of something or my conditioners need a little bit of something so that's interesting
0: i agree and i think every other year my new year's resolutions i'm gonna take better care of my hair this year yeah Yeah. maybe i (laughs) will
1: maybe I one day (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah anyways all right cool and we have another celebrity launch, yeah. relaunch, so launch, relaunch. Lady Gaga
0: has a brand called House Labs. Mm-hmm. I think this came out like at this point, like five, six years ago, with uh, Amazon. With Amazon, mm-hmm. and then that kind of fizzled out. Wow. I I thought they were still in business and/or still just doing it on Amazon, but we saw in the news that she's actually planning on relaunching House Labs in Sephora. Yeah, so. We'll keep our eyes peeled that it's supposedly coming soon in June. So any well, hints? Is
1: it like more of the eyeliners to start or it's clean makeup? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't be- induced, I don't know what that means. Be more induced, please. that Okay. All right. Anyway, cool. cool. All right so is that the news (gasps) that concludes the news we took y'all for a spin but yes that's the news this week uh it's time to get into the meat all right today all right everyone just stretch it out take a deep breath it's gonna
0: be loaded today yeah um we'll
1: probably go on a few rants yep a few rabbit holes but hopefully you'll understand that. Just Stay with us. Yeah. It's so fun. Hang in there. It's complex. Um, and But we do think it's definitely a big topic. It's mm. a big part of the market now and industry. There are requirements for big box retail now. So we're going to try to make some sense of all of this. But just to preface, I think it's important to know that, you know, <laughs> as consumers, we are growingly conscious of just taking care of Mother Earth and understanding Mm -hmm. the impacts of global warming. And global warming itself is not well understood, you know, in terms of where are the action items and what can we do and how can legislation help us to make an impact.
0: Yes, and obviously there's continuous areas of debate and experts in all different industries and different aspects of global warming. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of noise and a lot of forces at play because it's a global co- uh, problem that impacts yeah. everyone and every industry yeah so for
1: cosmetics we are talking about anything that might be vaguely labeled as sustainable and green mm-hmm. which if you think about it it's really difficult to understand what, what that, all means. that means and mm-hmm. what does that look like for our products um so we we divvy- want- oh, yeah sorry. go for
0: it i'm gonna say we divide up the meat into two parts per usual. Yeah. The first one, we're going to focus on more ingredient aspects of it. Mm-hmm. What does it mean when it comes to um, sustainability? This is probably more relevant to the green formulation claims you might start seeing here and there. Yeah. Um, and then the second part of the meet will be focused on packaging.
1: Yep, exactly. And also, there's no way we would be able to cover all the topics mm-hmm. that are being covered in the industry. Um, but we want to highlight things that we think are either making the biggest stride or has the biggest noise or focus on. Um, so if you feel like we missed a topic, there ain't enough recording, you know, storage in the world for us to talk about everything. Um, but you know, we'll definitely, um, try to consolidate all of this into a blog post and flush these details out, um, and days to come so yeah. yeah so first things first
0: it's as complex of a topic as all of this is there's three main areas of focus when it comes to cosmetics and sustainability mm. the first one is ingredient sourcing yep. you'll hear about things like oh um, maybe harvesting certain ingredients such as palm oil may lead to deforestation Mm -hmm. or things are or people are taking advantage of locals um where these ingredients are grown um so make unethical choices in production so that's another aspect of it and another one the second one is production um so anything from making the material to making the final product what what does that carbon footprint look like what does that water footprint look like that's the third, uh, the second component, and the last one we'll cover in meat part two is all things packaging. Your, Ooh. <laughs> we went down some deep dark rabbit holes Ooh. there. Are your uh, single single use plastics finally out? Is it realistic? Yeah. What about recyclables, refillables? We'll get into that a bit later.
1: Yeah. <sighs> so let's start with ingredient sourcing. Yeah
0: probably one of the biggest topic th- topics there is palm oil mm. palm oil we have to say is not just a problem with cosmetics it's everywhere it's used probably the largest consumer is food mm-hmm. so everything packaging foods your chips a lot of it comes from palm oil and palm oil derivatives um and on your cosmetic sheets you'll see a lot of palmitates palm blah blah blahs and those are come from palm but even mm-hmm. ones that's not named palm could come from a palm source yes So the problem with palm oil is mainly deforestation. Uh, A big chunk of the world's uh, supply comes from Indonesia. Indonesia has a a big chunk of the world's rainforest. So it comes from habitat destruction. You'll see the promo videos are really sad because uh, one of the main species impacted out there is the orangutan. So um, there's a lot being done there. One of the main uh, sustainable responsibly sourced palm Organizations is called (laughs) RSPO.
1: Breathe, Gloria, breathe. I gotta breathe. I'm sorry. This,
0: <laughs> you know, we usually try to keep this topic, these topics fun. Yeah. I just realized, like, man, these are dense. So stay yeah. with us. We
1: appreciate it. Gloria's going to also take her breaks, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to read directly from RSPO.org's website yeah. on their mission statement. Um, they state that we are a not-for-profit that unites stakeholders from seven sectors of the palm oil industry oil palm producers, processors of uh, or traders, consumer goods manufacturers, retailers, banks investors, and environmental and social non-governmental organizations to develop and implement global standards for sustainable palm oil. Did you guys catch all that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I I uh, feel like just that statement alone should have you realize just how complex complex it is to do this correctly and how many arms are needed Mm. in order to make this process even functional so hopefully that kind of just explains why this has not been quite solved yet
0: yeah it's not a magic button we push and say hey we're going to be sustainable uh, tomorrow throw you money
1: know? at it it'll be done
0: yeah. yeah rspo was founded i think in 2005 or 2004 so it's been around for a good 15 years and uh, on their website today almost 20 percent of palm oil globally is rspo certified with a majority coming from indonesia and malaysia which covers a total of 81 percent of the rspo certified area so that's about the amount of progress we've made in the past 10 15, 15 years yeah. and again just want to highlight that, that that line of how many people are involved in making it happen yeah. it just it's not gonna happen overnight
1: yeah.
0: so where the where do we go from here <laughs> i want to mention that there's criticism out there for rspo.org yeah it's one of the bigger, pretty much the biggest uh, organization in specifically for the palm oil industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other watch groups that come out with criticism pieces on RSPo, mm-hmm. citing that this their process, their certification process isn't as transparent as people want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found problematic stories that came out from indigenous tribes that complain, say, "Hey, they never got our permission to farm our land." or mm-hmm. some of the party players seem like their interests are kind of murky. Yeah.
1: Questionable. Yes. Mm-hmm. So,
0: I mean, I think these are fair criticisms. Yes. But it's tough. It's human, right? Yeah. When you have more than 3 parties involved, it, this is this is way bigger than that even, right? right. It, every party involved opens doors for complexities, different interests, different different problems. I think they are pushing things in the right direction. Um, we are not personally involved with RSPO, so I don't really know some of the inner workings. I am sure there's problems with um, these deals. but yeah, just that so that's where we are today.
1: I think after doing this topic and researching all of this, um, there was this like main theme in my head. and main theme is this is what happens when there is no overarching international, governing body that regulates any of this and i think that sustainability is like the best example of that um when we were looking into we can talk about this more later but one of the biggest lines that i thought was surprising was the u.s Mm -hmm. is so behind in all of this that they're just taking care of microplastic pollution. Mm -hmm. That's as far as they've gotten. And if you know, like, can imagine there's all these other really significant issues that haven't been tackled, like the recycling problem, you know. Ooh, which we'll get into that one's fun. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, with all of that, I just, you know, I I think none of this is going to feel like it's truly solved Mm -hmm. or there's a true solution and there's many things to be worked on. But what happens when things aren't regulated?
0: You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. So, um, again, to want to zoom in on the palm oil problem because it's yeah. one of the biggest ones yeah. in the industry. Yeah, sure. um, the biggest players are all involved. So, uh, companies like L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, yeah. Procter Gamble, they all sit on the board of RSPO. Um, and I actually really like Estee Lauder. If you guys have time, I would take a, take a look at their... Um, palm oil commitment page they actually i think they did a pretty thorough piece on what it means to um, do sustainable palm oil they talk about uh, the palm action plan which covers no deforestation no peat no exploitation so the ndp policy which is central to um to mm. this palm oil plan yeah. um which covers also sustainable procurement monitoring transparency and local community engagement yeah. And on uh, S.A. Lauder's website, they stated that since 2015, 100% of the palm-based ingredients from that S.A. Lauder company source for its products are S.P.O. Are SPO certified through yeah. a combination of their certified physical supply chains and their book and claims palm oil credits. There's so credits is where it's kind of like you can donate for some. <laughs> yeah, it's like, to undo. Kind of. Yes. Uh, So, but they do acknowledge i do appreciate that they didn't just like kind of or like oh yeah it's like some third credits they also (laughs) (laughs) wrote out that they plan to continue building their supplier capacity to make progress against the goal that at least 90 percent of our palm based ingredients will be certified sustainable from rspo physical supply chains by 2025. so anyway um if you guys have the time i would put the link here definitely check out their statement because it covers a lot of aspects to palm oil the, just this palm oil supply chain issues um and again just highlights how complex just even this yeah. one major ingredient source is i did
1: want to say mm-hmm. like you know i think we definitely have to look to the big companies to lead by example and they are going to be the ones that make honestly the first and most significant impact here yeah. Um, Just because of the volume of material that goes through them. Mm -hmm. And I just, I know there's some of you that are like, well, then why don't we just go palm free?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Okay. That, sure. But then now we need to find a replacement. Does that replacement get depleted? Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, we didn't, we didn't really touch on this um, in this episode, but Plant sourcing is actually a big headache, too. Mm -hmm. For example, rosehip seed, like any of these crops, they actually are very reliant on crop cycles. And if you almost produce too much, there are shortages. There's, you know, farm, uh, there's like soil depletion. So like there's all of these factors that kind of um, you probably don't quite think about as a consumer Um, But, you know, it's all, sadly, a very delicate balance, you know, for all of these, like, plant-based materials, so. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so I think the key takeaway from this whole rant and insight into the palm oil problem, I think there's two main things you want to highlight. First of all is it is important. The big players are involved, and that's a good thing. But it is important that, as consumers, what you can do is just to let these brands know that it is on your radar and it's important to you and so they will stick stick to their commitment um but we also want to highlight that this is part of why natural doesn't equal sustainable yeah so there's i think there's a lot of things that conflate these values right like clean um natural beauty equals sustainable like they're all under somehow under the same umbrella different concepts here um as victoria mentioned like Sometimes we do see palm-free plant uh, claims pop up here and there, and then you have to ask yourself, okay, what's the alternative, right? If everyone who uses palm oil just stops tomorrow and then goes to coconut,
1: what happens? Sweet happen- almond oil. Yeah. So <laughs> what happens
0: to the land that's needed for all these almonds that no one wants to eat but needs the oil for? You know, like it. It's, it's all balance. It's a trade-off. So. Yeah. It's not as simple as just saying hey right. like why don't we just boycott palm
1: yeah exactly so there's Ooh. that yes that's an example of ingredient sourcing um we're gonna touch very quickly on a brand's carbon footprint mainly because a lot of this doesn't quite apply to the brand itself mm-hmm. the reason being is a lot of especially indie brands they work with third-party cosmetic manufacturers and that's when, and I hate to say it, one single small brand will not be able to dictate a CM's carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. But maybe as a, in volume, a bunch of brands that do value this, um, maybe that can move the needle slightly, but... You know, I think um, I just want to, you know, give a shout out to, you know, when we worked at L'Oreal, we saw that they they actually did a lot of really great work in trying to reduce their carbon footprint and carbon emissions. Um, They are a big proponent of solar farms way back in the day, like, and another thing that just one tiny story that I do want to share is um, in their um, uh, operations. Um, they looked at all sorts of exercises in how to lower the weight of their freight mm-hmm. um, just for trucks to reduce their, their carbon footprint. And even, you know, so I, I guess, you know, I, I'm telling you these small stories so that you know that there are people, there are teams out there in these companies dedicated to looking at that and how they can do better. Um and yeah, that's that's really all I want to share. Um, but as an indie brand itself, it's incredibly difficult to walk into a CM be like, "Hey, I think this is inefficient," and that they're gonna listen, you know?
0: Yeah. So. And I think brands like us, what we what we do is we go in, we monitor the production ourselves, and yeah. make sure that based on our knowledge, it's done as simply as possible, minimize ingredient waste, and minimize um, energy usage where we can. Um, but yeah, as as a whole production like other brands gonna do what they're gonna do. Yeah. It's not up to us.
1: I wanted to touch on that. Um, scale up is very fa- is very interesting. Yeah. Um, when you go from lab to like a, thou- a one ton batch, the process is very different. You you want to almost think of it as like three times the amount of time, you know, that would be needed to actually like come out with that formula, and so. With that, you know, looking at just us, even ways to improve the process, to make it more uh, seamless, more streamlined. Those things can help save like water waste, energy consumption, even material. So like it it takes a team, you know, to really like make this impact And is a value that I think for the most part we can say is Brands are starting to understand more and more. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of getting that knowledge to get to that point. Um, still working towards that. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, again, I hope this is interesting for yeah. everyone. <laughs> I think it's a lot of industry insider talk. Yeah. What well, what we hope to do is just to give a peek into the complexities of everything under the hood. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it's very, um, I don't know, eye-opening for yeah. everyone. and.
1: Yeah. Also, makes you feel like we're not completely irresponsible when just like wasting water and like turning on all the lights and leaving them on. You know, like it's it's like yeah, we are. There are definitely um, efforts going on um, in our industry. All right, we're gonna take
0: a break hey! from the meat because hey! today's meat is hard to digest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's do it. It's time for our claims corner. All
0: right, claims corner. Today we have a user submission. It's from our friend Cherokee Jackson. Uh, for those of you who don't follow her, you should definitely check out her Instagram. We did a live session with her last year. Yeah. She's just so much fun, keeps it real, and I think has is cherry doll face, right? Cherry doll face. Yeah. So check her out. Um, but yeah, she sent this device our way. I was like, uh, claims corner. Like, <laughs> well, well, yes, 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 yes. We will put this in our claims <laughs> give me, corner. Give me,
1: give
0: me, give me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it is a company called. R- Reduit Reduit? Redu- Redu- redo it skincare redo it i think it. it's
1: redo it yeah oh what are we redoing doing yeah so they our ha- faces
0: correct oh that's so sad <laughs> all right so they have a device called the boost and it <laughs> enhances product delivery uh what it does is
1: <laughs> i'm reading the direction the the description and it's actually hilarious
0: yeah so um it Enhances product delivery by scanning... You can scan your product's barcode. Come again? Yeah, I don't really know much about that part. (laughs) But, okay. To sum up, they use ultrasonic diffusion and magnetic misting technologies to get your products deeper into skin. So, the premise is that, A, it's a super fine mist, and so it's small, it gets into your skin, and there's like a big old magnet... That pushes products <laughs> into your face, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's. That was not <laughs> expected. I'm awake now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the premise. And when I first read about it, and they sell these pots that you can attach, so like the they have formulas that deliver these misting. Got it. Stuff. Okay. So
1: it's not misting your skincare. It's.
0: It could. Oh. Uh, so they, they say that it, uh, if you apply your products and use it it will help all products penetrate better
1: mm.
0: so but like but they also sell a bunch of their own pods so,
1: wow. um, so this is like droplet
0: yes so okay. my first thought was like wow this is a lot like droplet yeah. like the premise of the science is slightly different but the concept is the same which is delivering enhancement and
1: ultrafine stuff so is it is it true? Is it actually any any testing any any evidence? So we're <laughs> squinting right now for audio listeners. Yes, yes, I
0: am. Um. So first things first, delivering enhancement is a very complex topic in skin. Um, your skin is a really really thorough uh barrier. So a lot of times formulators like us, we do work really hard on. uh, finding the right emulsion system the right penetration enhancers to make (gasps) sure FDA is going to have a heart attack Don't listen. Turn away FDA. You got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> <laughs> Work on that sunscreen cave. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it tests on getting the active active molecules where it needs to go. Yeah. And it's a huge topic. So mm-hmm. from a formulation perspective, there are certain things that we can do to help mm-hmm. it along. Um, I do want to mention that a lot of these penetration enhancer type of devices, the companies will reference like the 500 Dalton rule. Okay protein Captain Jack Black, who's also making headlines nowadays for a very different reason. (laughs) It's more of a guideline than a rule. It's kind of like the premise of like, it's almost like a theory, Mm -hmm. but studies have shown that sometimes bigger molecules do get into skin deeper than people think. So it's not necessarily just on the surface. It might still be deeper in the stratum cornea. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, but do these work? Maybe. So um, given that it's a finer mist, I don't know how well it's actually, like, micro-disrupting skin
1: barrier to get the active deeper, but um, the device- like these are very ballsy claims that, yes. again, like, if you're the FDA, like, look away.
0: <laughs> I will say, as far as I know, um, digging on both of these Droplet and uh, its website, I couldn't tell that neither of these companies doesn't seem like they went through the FDA medical device clearance. So that's— I
1: mean, yeah.
0: And that does take time and money. So not saying they're not doing that process right now. I'm just saying I don't see it being done yet. But. Hello, FDA. I do want to say that when you have something like this you're interested in, look for their clinical studies. Because you can't just say, I can Today I can sell you a soundbox and say this ultrasonic vibrations loosen up your skin cell and deliver your skincare better. I Who's to tell sue you, me? <laughs>
1: your sonic care toothbrush will deliver toothpaste, toothpaste <laughs> when to
0: your Well you're done brushing your teeth, just run it up the side.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please don't try that at home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyone can make those claims but at the end day you look to a clinical study. Oh
1: God. I can't wait for us to be a sensationalized headline. Your clip toothpaste can do what <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your clip to Oh my god. Like... We're making a TikTok video and that's what we're gonna be known for. <laughs> what else can you do with that quip? <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Sorry, anyway. I will say I had the video its clinical quote unquote seems
1: very, very questionable. Oh, they do have a clinical. Yes. Okay. So
0: they have this claim that says Better hydration versus using 10x bigger a dose of traditional moisture emulsion. I didn't write this. I copy and pasted this. And it quote unquote leaves less chemical residue on the surface of the skin, requiring less washing and soap to
1: remove. My, that's a... See, you're really reaching for stats to share.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then this is based on their in vivo study... Done by Woefully Skin Science, which I think's a mother company, an innovation laboratory, and it's, it uses it tests the changes of skin moisture by their uh, through using their Hydro Boost slash Pearl Diffusion. These are pods that they sell, comparing to a French hydrating moisture emulsion. They didn't tell me exactly which French hydrating emulsion. My idiot ass actually googled French (laughs) hydrating emulsion. I was like, wait, is this some
1: like very specific thing? I don't know. I I feel like these podcasts are just, you know, transcripts of your googling (laughs) history. It really is, dude. Google
0: is very confused, like what the hell I want in life. But yeah. So, Do you want butter? Do you want... <laughs> so for those of you who don't... So that, that's all that's that. Uh, it's on the website. I yeah. couldn't find anything more thorough on the protocol. How long did the people use it for? All um, red flags. Yeah, how many people were on this panel. Red flag. Just like I couldn't find anything on it. And... <sighs> And I have to say, moisture is about the lowest tier of study you can do, especially because it sounds like instant hydration. So, fun fact. I hope it's fun. I hope this is fun for you guys. And, <laughs> so much fun, Gloria. So much Keep fun. Going, Woo! Dousing ourselves in fun. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to measure skin hydration, it's usually just a little electric device that tests, Um, it, it spits out a moisture content reading and as you can imagine the more water your skin has the better it conducts electricity Mm -hmm. um so yes it makes sense if you just like pump your skin full of water droplets and then you measure it it's gonna read more hydrating yeah does it hold what does it mean two three weeks later
1: Mm
0: -hmm. that's 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 the questions to ask
1: i actually was gonna say that's such a good point because you're probably thinking when you use this device you're good Mm -hmm. but like we mentioned with Our review of humectants emollients and occlusives you still need material that's gonna help keep that water locked in Mm -hmm. so if let's say you are using a droplet technology for hydration we still recommend applying a moisturizer over that you You know
0: know. yeah so so that's very problematic and then my other problem with it was they also sell anti-aging pods and like skin brightening pods um you know, with like hot SEO actives like transamic acid and azelaic okay. acid, and their anti-aging has some sort of peptide. Okay. those aren't tested. Those are not included in any of their clinicals, as far okay. as I can see. So, in droplet study, they um, they have people use uh, a topical retinol for four weeks, take two weeks break, and then send them home and they use a droplet. In conjunction with their retinal formulation,
1: droplets retinal.
0: Yes, do you like to use with it? Mm-hmm. And it showed they have clinical pictures that show that with that droplet combination, they look so good. So my thing is like with four uh, weeks of retinal Mr. Elba, I have a question. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> so my first thought was like, okay, four weeks is most retinal clinicals is at least 8 to 12 weeks, you might be catching people on their worst, right? They're still going through that shedding phase. Yeah. They're just acclimated. Yeah. So, like, you know, to show pictures at four weeks to say, oh, people actually age and they're so irritated with retinol. But with ours, it looks better. It seems like a bit of a jump of... Uh, I also think you're movement.
1: still writing the coattails of retinol.
0: Right. So, <laughs> anyway, so that at first, like, uh, when when Cherokee sent the uh, sent this campaign to us, I was like, man, maybe I'll bash them both. But then I was like, well, after looking at the boost device, I'm like, you know, if you want to try it, I
1: suppose I still have to choose Droplet. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah. I commend you, Gloria. Yes. It's true. Yeah. No, actually, though, the the clinical is still leaps and bounds better than this one, and I just I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It's it. You know, just. Device companies, I oh, I I have to say there one takeaway I had when reading about this was sometimes when you think about when you hear that oh this device company's uh, uh, this device is trendy right Mm -hmm. like people seem to be seeing results and then you go on Amazon and you see if you can buy a cheaper version of it and these companies are essentially riding on the coattails of that trending brand. Mm -hmm. I want to say it's probably the worst thing to do because, mm-hmm. um, for example, the New Face Microcurrent device. All of these have tested, you know, ideally a specific power setting, mm-hmm. a specific specific time for some laser specific wavelengths. Um, these are all fine-tuned, but if you start heading towards like generic brands, you have no idea what you're getting, and mm-hmm. it's oftentimes it's either going to do nothing or potentially be irritating you know so i think like i feel like this is a situation where it's like almost riding the coattails of Droplet. Yeah. But I feel like it's just not the same. Like, you don't know about the technology, and when you don't have enough transparency, it's very hard to feel like, I don't know if it's going to be the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's very clearly positioned to go against Droplet. Yeah. Droplets cost uh, $2.99 uh, a device, and theirs cost uh, the Boost device one ninety nine. So it's, like, clearly positioned as, like, a slightly cheaper alternative to it with more pods, more variety. So... Again, like, I personally don't really believe in these type of devices. Um,
1: The tough thing, too, is when you talk, you can't talk about penetration. And so how can you even, like, really talk about how it works or efficacy, you know, without, like, clinical pictures? So... I think that also just makes this whole category just very mysterious and not, with a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my
0: personal take is between the two, if you if you want to try one of these devices, I will choose a droplet just because mm. it seems like the burden, like they did a better clinical. That's yeah. really it. Yeah. Um, At the end of the day, I would still save that money and go to your esthetician yes. to do in-office <laughs> treatment.
1: We like estheticians. Yeah, get that hydrofacial,
0: <laughs> get that microneedling. And I honestly really think... I, do, I know a lot of our listeners are much less lazy than we are. Mm, but fact, I really, They wonder why we're so <laughs> lazy. <laughs> I really think like, these type of devices are built to have, like, a device graveyard in the back of your... Uh, of day, lost you, cords yeah. and
1: chargers and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: At the end of the day, you still need that consistency. Yeah, so true. if you're someone who's, like, very, like, regimented and can build something like this into your routine... It might be it might be right for you to try, but if that's if you're gonna be real with yourself and open up your drawers and dig out that old Clarisonic charger <laughs> and you're like, hmm, is this gonna be my droplet in three
1: months? <laughs> then maybe it's not right for you. Yeah, I think that's a great takeaway. All right, well that's the end of Claims Corner. Uh it's time to get into the juicy meat part two. And that's me, I'm out of here. <laughs> and this is all about packaging. Um, Probably one of the most tangible aspects of sustainability for consumers. Um, We're going to walk through types of material and then hopefully paint you a general picture of why this also is a category that hasn't been quite solved. Um, So first thing is plastic. Um, If you don't know, there are many types of plastic. And uh, as chemists, we can tell you Some of the formulations we make eat plastic for breakfast. And so that's why um, there's different types and there's blends of plastic. Mm -hmm. Um, So why this gets complicated is because when you recycle those bottles, they cannot recycle blended plastic materials. And that's what makes this almost feel like a category that's like kind of trying to head in the right direction, but still not quite solved. And the other challenge um, and why plastic is used is because um, you have to think about the formulation when it gets filled, when it's on the filling line, it has to be robust enough to withstand production, you know, shipment, packaging, delivering all the way to shelf. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why plastic is such a common material used in all of our cosmetic and personal goods. There's definitely um, a lot of solutions that are being trialed. Uh, Probably one of the first uh, ones you've seen are the refillable packaging. Uh, Yeah, so Gloria, any feelings about refillables?
0: I think the impact that they make is limited. Yeah. Because, um, first of all, like Victoria mentioned, there's compatibility issues. Uh-huh. Um, these refillable packaging, they tend to be less robust. Yes. They're made to break down over time. Yeah. Um, so, there's certain things that just cannot be used in the refillables. Yeah. And, secondly, is it just comes down to consumer behavior. Uh-huh. You have to really love a certain formula. To keep buying their refills mm-hmm. but if we're being real with ourselves i think there's very few products out there that's in the holy grail status and of course like we do what we do so we hope that you can find out holy grail but now everyone's skin is so unique now all changes over time yeah so your holy grail might change on you or these products that you love they may not have a big enough volume on a supply chain basis to sustain a refillable packaging, or does yeah. it make sense for them. So I think it could make sense if you if you happen to have a product that you love that have refillable packaging. That's awesome. That could help, but on a, on a grander s- scale, I think it's very limited.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I was trying to think about redeemable qualities about this aspect, uh-huh. and I think refillables and what I've noticed in hotels. They're a really big de- thing in hotels, mm-hmm. and that makes a lot of uh, sense. That's true, to me. yes. Actually. All those little, little bottles are now being replaced, and I think that's wonderful. And people that we've seen a lot of, um, uh, especially in LA, there's stores where they're all about refillable. Oh, you can bring your formulas. own thing and just, yeah, yeah. So people do refillable laundry detergent and dishwashing detergent, and all of those. And I think. Those efforts those are, are yeah. very valiant and they're great. So, you know, there are certain aspects, but with skincare, with people who, with skin's always changing, um, changes in your life, you have children now, you know, all of these factors, it's becomes very difficult for refillable to truly be a permanent uh, solution in your home. And I think the thing that I struggle with a lot is that at the end of the day, like, do you even need the jar, the original jar it came in, like you're just using it out of the bottle anyways that you're refilled it in. So I don't know, it's, it's again, it was like probably one of the first real, um, I think efforts that was made in packaging. Um, and then we got PCR and now that's something we really like.
0: Yeah, so again, we just highlighted all the reasons why refillable's a little limited. Um, PCR stands for post-consumer plastic. Um, in short, it's stuff that you guys have recycled before and or has been repurposed from other things and they kind of shape and mold it into brand new packaging to yep. reuse. Uh, we think right now, this is the most realistic option yes. in terms of um, replacing a greater majority of things that you see on shelves. Um, and with PCR, The one downside is it tends to be cosmetically a little damaged because it's been reused so you can't make a really crystal clear plastic packaging. Colors
1: slightly off. Yeah. yeah there's
0: sometimes you see yellowing or spotting when you print so when you when you buy your packaging or you buy a product that says they use PCR and you notice these things it's totally normal and yeah. let that be okay with you because that's part of the reason why some brands don't choose PCR um, and if you spy a crystal clear plastic packaging and they're like this is PCR you're like you're a liar
1: <laughs> although there is a material there is a company called I believe Eastman and oh. they they mm-hmm. Have, they're almost like pcr wizards um mm-hmm. i've seen them use pcr and create these beautiful glass you can mm. tell it's slightly off like it's slightly almost looks like slightly dirty but it creates almost this like crystal looking glass oh, kind of just work with the uh, imperfection yeah exactly so um i you know there's definitely we've made leaps and bounds um however there is a downside one is um obviously these packaging suppliers they have to incorporate and source these materials. So it isn't significant added cost. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of that, now the question is, you know, what's going to get more expensive and who's going to eat that cost? Um, Packaging suppliers are all about volume and they, it's basically like cents per unit. Mm -hmm. So that's really difficult. The brand itself can Can they absorb that cost? And can mm. the consumer absorb that cost? So this is one of those like challenges we do want to share. It's like something, as this becomes more and more robust, we're hoping the cost will get better and better. We are seeing that more and more um, packaging suppliers are making that available, which is great. Um, but just, you know, we're giving you the full picture on this solution. And some uplifting news I did want to share is that in the US, states are looking at PCR consumption. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to get at least like businesses in these states, for example, like California, to basically include at least 10% PCR in their materials of their goods. Um, by a set amount of date and I uh, sorry by a set date and so uh, through that um, it is kind of it's great that you know um, I think this is definitely a viable solution for us that at least makes slightly more sense than the refillable packaging solution Yeah. yeah cool All right, and last but not least, uh, we did want to share, we recently went to um, a beauty supplier show, Mm -hmm. and one of the things we did realize is that there is a new trend uh, Mm -hmm. in packaging, and that is full monomaterial plastic from, like, head to toe. Yes. So something (laughs) we should preface
0: with is, Um, That is one of the bigger problems with plastic packaging and why they're not, a lot of times, not very recyclable is... um each packaging you see may contain three or four different types of plastic. Yep. The bottle might be something, the pump might be something else, especially more intricate components such as pumps. Like the thing you were pressing on might be a different material than the tube that it connects to. Exactly. And that kind of thing is it not... Oh, and even tubes themselves. They may be... The wow. outer shell might be PP and it's lined with this and then there's another lining of this. Again, just to make it chemically compatible with your formulas. Yeah. Um, so all of this hinders the recyclability of packaging so very smart manufacturers are like we should try to make every component out of the same plastic yeah boy did it highlight why that is really hard at that trade show
1: yeah so i and i think the other thing to add to what Gloria was explaining is like it gets so confusing for a consumer Mm -hmm. right you don't know you ultimately and you'll you'll see when we provide some takeaways you know on how we can do better as consumers is like you have to ask each brand directly how to properly recycle each packaging and it's not clear cut and honestly if you knew that about a package and you didn't want to spend too much time thinking about it it's going to end up in waste or in recycle in when it re- reaches the recycling facility it'll end up in waste and so mm the the guess the takeaway with all these packaging suppliers is create a solution where they'll just not even think about it and throw the entire bottle into recycle bin yeah so yeah that's that's what we saw um we saw a lot of um a lot of mono material and honestly kind of shocked us because it almost feels like wait is this the right direction now we're like all for plastic. <laughs> yeah. So it's really that interesting. shocking
0: <laughs> I think it is to me it makes sense on the consumer. For end. sure. If you yeah. just tell someone like, oh yeah, we finished, rinse it out, and toss the whole thing out. Yeah. That to me is like, okay, on the look on the other end of it, it seems easier. But the two things that I noticed when I saw these mono material plastic is one, wow, it's ugly. <laughs> like some of these things, because the reason why plastic is complex and so usable is yeah. you can make a lot of very different types of material, types of yeah. properties out yeah. of um, different plastic. So monomaterial obviously ties you to one thing, and these components just there's something about it that doesn't make sense because it shouldn't happen that material. So all right, you're taking a hit there. And the secondly is we ourselves we make really high levels of active ingredient products and we're sitting there staring these packagings like yeah that's not gonna work yeah that shit's not gonna fly yeah, is true. it oh it's gonna die yeah, formula's in. yeah my formula is gonna weeks. eat that plastic bottle <laughs> damn so yeah. yeah challenges
1: yeah so um just wanted to share that with you guys this um new avenue that's being looked at i honestly as much as it might like make you gasp to think that there's more plastic being made um if that material can get recycled and put into you know pcr like i think you know it's it's really not a bad alternative the reason why is because now we're gonna get into glass
0: oh boy <laughs> <laughs> I feel glass is a very i think it's gonna be very trendy this year and beyond yeah. because of all the sustainability talks people are like oh Class. It's traditionally damn it, so close. <laughs> it's
1: perceived as a very, very sustainable, robust packaging. Yeah, and you know, people know it as being a hundred percent recyclable, um it but also know it's hundred percent non-biodegradable, um and you know, you might think that it should be what every brand uses, but there's definitely, again, pros and cons. One thing is, it is incredibly heavy. So the carbon footprint of glass is much Transportation, uh, from production to getting to your doorstep, exactly. all, everything adds up. Exactly. And the other thing, too, to note is that, sadly, um, a lot of recy- glass recycling facilities are being shut down. It's honestly out of... the consumers hands in the fact that it it really is based on infrastructure Um, and I'm speaking to the US so Mm. our international friends I know that there are some of you guys have much better situations than us Um, but at least in the US um, it is getting more and more difficult to recycle glass the other thing too to note is that glass can be a contaminant uh, when glass breaks in your recyclables um, all of that will be trash because that's, mm-hmm. it's dangerous. It has now polluted the rest of the materials. And so um, the manpower needed to ensure that, you know, these things are remain separate, it's very cumbersome. So that's why, you know, you may think that why doesn't everyone use it? There are reasons why. And also um, know that if you're not using a jar or a bottle, but you're using, like, for example, I'm thinking of a dropper. Mm-hmm. Those droppers and glass material and sealing it, that's also a challenge too, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's materials that need to be used in proper sealing that can't necessarily be recycled either. So trade-offs da, everywhere. Da, 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 yeah, da. trade-offs everywhere. So, uh... Aluminum?
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm really out of here now! <laughs> Oh man! All right. So the next (laughs) next hot topic and trend that everyone is now getting onto is aluminum because aluminum is also touted as one of the most sustainable, the most recyclable, no-brainer type of material. It's everywhere. Remember that little tidbit I mentioned about tubes having a lot of layers. (laughs) That is. Definitely true for aluminum tubes. Yeah. Um, a lot of formulas aren't necessarily compatible directly with uh if you're thinking about like the Nivea tin or whatever tins that's actually pretty simple in all aluminum, when you see tubes, it's typically not that not that simple. They're usually layers of plastic inside the tubes. Which <laughs>
1: compressing
0: <It's> com- <laughs> com- uh which which adds complexities to whether or not yeah. aluminum tubes are truly recyclable. Yeah. And I wanna add that uh, when you see aluminum tubes, and then you go to a your manufacturer, you're like, oh, well, look at my awesome, super recyclable aluminum tube. I want to put everything in it. And they're like, get out. Get out here. Shut, close down. We're closed for business. Yep, no. no. Because in production, there tends to be some waste. And because and it, by some waste, it's a
1: lot of waste.
0: Yeah, because it's really easy to dink it. And um, it doesn't,
1: It yeah, aluminum tubes is a lot to work with. And yeah. yeah yeah, so um, you know the takeaway here is, um, I think dewskin does a great uh, mm-hmm. is a great example of a success story um, in you know, being able to recycle, teach their users how to properly recycle. There's a lot of lumen tubes you cannot recycle. So again, just want to remind everyone like, Please check per brand how you are supposed to properly dispose and recycle materials. Yeah.
0: materials. We have a lot of website envy um, to crave beauty. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job breaking down their whole line. If yeah. you guys have any questions about everything we just rambled on about, go check out how complicated it is to recycle their products. Yeah. And they break it down really well per component, per product. And
1: and it, they already are stellar as an mm-hmm. indie beauty, you know, um, trying to work towards sustainability. Yeah,
0: yeah. and yeah. it really highlights to everyone that um, it's not that simple. We're all just striving to be better.
1: Yeah. I did want to ask Gloria, um, you know, as we're wrapping up the meet, how do you feel about waterless skincare?
0: <laughs> no. Boo. Boo. i think it's really idiotic wow yeah. i rarely use really strong words like this yeah i think it's dumb so but tequila and
1: johnny <laughs> walker
0: so the reason why i think it's dumb is first of all in terms of uh, ingredient benefits it's very limiting mm. you're usually looking at a butter bar you know so just like <laughs> occlusives yeah. and the active ingredient you're you're using is just the occlusives and oil-based active ingredients. So from a benefits perspective, you're excluding yourself from all the other good stuff. Yeah. And then second, my second problem with it, again, it goes back to the whole like conflating sustainability and clean natural as the same concept. It's not the same. So yes, you're using less water in your formula, but do you know how hard it is to wash a greasy tub of like container yeah. that's like, buttery and melted like what's the actual production water footprint there you're not gonna talk about that you know how easy it is to wash like a 90 percent water cleanser tube you wash it down the end
1: <laughs> or wow, like come one. back to
0: us come back come back to us <laughs> yeah anyway so i just feel like waterless beauty is really just putting its overly yeah, simplistic view on a very complex problem
1: yes and i think the the tough part is marketing wise it just makes it seem so simple for users, but oh, yo, just cut out water. Huh? Yeah, you know, I'm like, man, as skincare users, you deserve better than that kind of formula. You know, let's be real. Yeah, so.
0: and I also want to add that I think a lot, some of those brands, they sell their products to you in a really cutesy little reusable baggie mm-hmm. or something and recently i had a lot of feels about these like tote bags oh uh, <laughs> uh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> really quick really quick you go to any trade show any conference and that like, we're well, sustainable here's four bags for you to use at your grocery store <laughs> how many of you have like these like forgotten bag swag bags that sits in a corner like it just like What's the net effect? I don't really know. Anyway. Yeah. That's it. That's my brand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So some takeaways. Takeaways, guys. All right. So, you know, I, I think, like, what we've highlighted in the cosmetic industry feels like there's still so much work to be done. Yes. And it's true. But I also would like to say that cosmetics are actually probably one of the better industries in comparison to a lot of others, like textiles. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that one is so hard. You know, fast fashion pollutants of microplastic. You want to talk about true microplastic pollutants, um, you know, water waste, mm-hmm. water pollution, like they they don't get enough scrutiny, mm-hmm. you know. And so I know that, you know, we it feels like ah, oh, it's it's frustrating here and we ourselves are frustrated too because this is not a problem that would be solved overnight. Mm-hmm. But I think there is, we, we do have to at least say that we are making leaps and bounds, um, especially from when we first started in industry. I feel like it was really not a thing. And to see how, how far we've come in consumer changes, behavior changes, um, general plastic use, you know, general awareness, you know. So I think just like have some patience, um, understand that, if you ever hear out there that there's, you know, some brand is touting some like overarching sweeping claim of su- sustainability and we've solved it, I you should raise an eyebrow because all of these things are complex and there are pros and cons that just probably haven't thought about certain things yet.
0: Yeah, yeah so as consumers, just, you know, do your best. I think our point of having this episode is just like, hey, this is, the status yeah. update here's the complexities here's you know some takeaways to say to say hey we're all in it together so just stay on top of things be educated in the topic and that's
1: it i was gonna say too you know um probably one thing at least uh at least for me personally what i would like to do is just be better about separating my recycles oh, my it's, recyclables. So mm-hmm. um, it's really tough um it requires effort Extra effort, but at the end of the day, realizing how difficult it is for recycling facilities and what I've learned about glass um, is just uh, some one quick thing that you can do. Another thing is, again, like we've been saying multiple times, check with your brands on the best way to properly dispose and right re- and recycle those materials. Check with your state too. Yeah. yeah. So
0: the two of us are based in uh, in California. We know a lot of our foreign friends are probably listening to this with horror, like American Recycling. But the reality is a lot of states do things slightly differently. Yeah. they don't take in everything that you might perceive as recyclable. Like,
1: don't research Vegas and recyclables, please. That yeah. keep you up at night.
0: Yeah. So just <laughs> yeah. double check with your local yeah. um, local f- recycling facility. What's, what are some best practices yeah. to help them out?
1: And I think the general thing that I really like that Gloria wrote is just mindfulness. You know, mm-hmm. um, purchase when you need it. Um, Try not to buy in wholesale bulk. That's the easiest way to waste, you Mm -hmm. know. And I think um, just overall healthier consumer behavior um, and awareness will always, you know, kind of force it will force the marketing, the branding to be better, you know. And so, yeah, that's all we can do.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's not gonna be solved with two drunk chemists on a Friday (laughs) afternoon, but we do what we can. (laughs) We're trying. (laughs) As users, <laughs> as brand owners, as chemists. Oh, all right. Okay, and to sum up, looking ahead, um, yeah. we chemist confessions as the brand. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned, to us as a brand with high level of active ingredients that need that airless pump to protect our formulas, the high level of acid, uh, where we are moving forward is trying to incorporate as much PCR as possible. Yeah in our in our packaging so yeah um look forward to that and that concludes the meet you guys survived um <laughs> if you guys made it here we're so happy you're still with us was that fun That was we should, really fun, we should right? drop a
1: promo code here just for hey, making it this far $10, $20 on our website because it was a long ride <laughs> dear god you deserve a
0: award <laughs> thanks for staying with us yeah. I hope that was my only fun. Anyways, let's,
1: let's move on to a fun It's topic. really time to break it up. <laughs> All right, it's time to break, break, Bring break it up. Break break, up. Break, 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 up. Break, 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 break it up. Break, break, break it up. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, it's Animal Fun Fact Corner. Yeah. yeah. All right, before, before it's Victoria's turn. Oh. Uh, before oh. All
0: right. we get into him, I'm, I'm going to hijack it real fast. Yes. So I forgot what. Oh,
1: holy shit, I got a sneeze. We're going to put that in. Let's oh. leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before
0: we dive into today's Animal Fun Fact Corner, I have to say, um, this kind of this whole thing started as a whim, and we've seen so many different animals here and there that Victoria and I take turns researching on. It's really fun for us, and I love that some of you guys have commented on it to us, um, so it's really good that you guys are really listening to this section too, and I have to say, I think at this point it was like three, four episodes ago. Mm-hmm. We talked about the lump sucker, the lump yeah. sucker fish, and for Victoria's so wedding, we went uh, we went to the Scripps Aquarium. Now with Victoria, I mean, we we took a break and went to the aquarium, and we saw the lump sucker fish right there. Ah. It is super cute. It was yay big. Can you show my a picture? Yeah, I'm going to put my the picture I took here. They are so cute. Yeah, my fiancé <laughs> thought I was psycho. Because I saw it. I was like, oh, it's a lumsucker. Lumsucker. Oh, I'm sucker <laughs> And Chris was just like, okay. i move wow. along. <laughs> I was like, you don't understand. I read all about them last week. <laughs>
1: It's true, yeah. our uh, significant others have really had to. Open up. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: yeah, that was my uh, uh, quick side story. Nice,
1: yay! In real life, in <laughs> the flesh.
0: <Lumsucker.
1: laughs> I also think that Lumpsucker was staring at you and been like, wow.
0: Yeah. And then walking around the tank, I was like, hey, hey, did you know it likes cold, salt water? That's why it's actually, this tank is really hard to maintain. Okay. He's like, uh huh, that's really cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're so weird we're so all right, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay <clears throat> so today is my turn mm-hmm. i have to tell you i strictly chose this animal because of the picture i found of it um today we're talking about the potus potus yes Bless it's, you. It, it's a bird oh potus. okay and uh you when thinking of these um they like to perch in trees Mm -hmm. um they're generally a bigger bird um and when at first you might think of these more as owls or they're related to owls but they are not they're actually more closely related to hummingbirds
0: Um, is it another deer and like uh elk thing it's like what so my maybe
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. okay uh yeah so they're generally found in central america and south america regions um they have very interesting proportions um so you might think of it as like a hawk but with like a fat head like think of a hawk head wide very wide (laughs) like so wide it has no neck like that kind of wide. yeah so um it's like a boxer yeah yeah. and so one of the more interesting behaviors they have is that during the daytime they will camouflage by looking up and pretending to be a branch so i'm gonna show gloria this picture which i will show with you now (laughs) And this picture, if you look at it, and for those audio who don't know what it is, you feel free to Google it. But it looks like they might have just like had a really good pee. They found Jesus. You know, their their eyes are closed, and the most fascinating the most fascinating thing is their eyes are closed. But that's just so they can blend in. But they're slowly like, if you can see me, they're slowly like looking around. You know, you can still see. You know they're just surveying, so that that's their one interesting behavior.
0: That's a tactic I'm gonna use the next time my fiance <laughs> tells me it's my turn to do the Be dishes. A yeah. Be a <laughs> hey babe, it's your turn to wash the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here.
1: I'm not here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, really, really cute. And um, the other thing <laughs> that they do is when feeling threatened, um, one of the tactics they do is they'll puff up their chest, they'll start fluttering their feathers, and they'll dilate their pupils like crazy. And so I'm showing Gloria another picture oh of a potato. And uh, if you can see, it might look like they might have taken the wrong, maybe a little too much of something, something, you know, or like, you know, it's just uh The ayahuasca is off the rocks! <laughs> yeah. Um, so just really funny guy all around i actually think they've been meme just because of the way they look um and one of the cool features they have is that their beak is so wide is um that they actually swallow their prey whole yeah so like like a snake (laughs) yeah so um the smaller um there's like seven species of potus so Um, The smaller will usually just eat insects. Um, There's another one called the Great Potus, which I'm showing Gloria now. Looks like an alien. Um, The eyes are fully black, and they're really big. So they just, they look very odd. Um, Those guys will actually eat small birds whole. So, um, yeah, just like, that's actually all I wanted to share. Um, I find this, the potus so interesting to look at. They're just funny creatures, and they also have a very um, odd call, like bird call. Um, It sounds like a very low, low growl. So that's why if you hear them in the forest, they can be quite haunting. Like you really think the place is spooked. So for a hot 2nd I was waiting for you to
0: imitate.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> like, oh, I was like, uh, ain't no one. Uh, else can hear that. <laughs> 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 I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> oh, okay. So like the. And now everyone on audio has now turned off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My ears are bleeding. Oh,
0: <laughs> side story. What was that horror movie called? The, uh, the Japanese one that they remade with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm, the, the, ring. The. It's not the ring. It's the one after. The ring. It's like the one with, with the, the kids. With the kid. With yeah. The
1: blanket. Yeah. Oh, what is it called? Yeah. The.
0: My god, brain bar moment. But but you know which one I'm talking about. And one of the things is like before the ghost comes out, they'll call you. Oh, yeah. And then they make that sound like uh, that's what I'm picturing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, close enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, anyways, that's the POTUS. Very simple, short, and sweet, but may those images be forever (laughs) (laughs) burned. If you want to Google it. (laughs) yeah we've clearly reached the end of our tequila
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I can't wait for my next zoo trip and be like Chris Chris it's that produce did you know that they grow (laughs) (laughs) Q and a q and a Q and a
1: All right we reached the end and we're gonna end on some last Q&A. yeah
0: I pulled a bunch of questions some are some are serious some are not so much so we're gonna run through them pretty quickly. So first of all we got a DM um, uh, this lady was pretty confused and kind of concerned because she had her friends telling her that the surfactants in mista water is bad for you
1: yeah they're not (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks for the hot take victoria (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: to sum up long story short surfactants they interact with both fats and water that's how they work um so that's why sometimes people think that it interacts with your skin barrier, and that's why they're bad for you. The reality is that is kind of how we rank surfactants based on their gentleness. Um, the more aggressive ones will interact with your skin barrier. But again, the formula matters. What concentration you're, uh, what concentration you're using, what other stuff are in your formula, all that stuff matters. You can't just say surfactants are bad for you. Hold also. Up.
1: If you write off surfactants, nothing's getting cleaned. <laughs>
0: but maybe waterless beauty can solve that problem.
1: <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, apparently i've been told to take this q a more seriously and i don't know if we're doing a good job yes <laughs> all right number two we
0: actually got a series of questions about um chemist confessions the brand so we're gonna address them here ah, real quickly okay fun so we someone asked us if our pro uh they asked a if our products are natural b how do you recycle our products? <laughs> so, um, first of all, a we use uh, what we consider to be the best of natural and synthetic ingredients. So we choose the best ingredients based on merit, not necessarily their origins. So no, not all pro not all of our products are all natural.
1: You're oh. gonna miss out on some good stuff. Sorry, 4K, no low dose. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, in synthetics,
0: (laughs) in terms of how to recycle products, now this one is a toughie because all our tubes have to sustain our high levels of acids and our high levels of, um, of oils and actives which means the bodies of the tubes they're mm. not recyclable unfortunately we ha- you had to trash it as we mentioned uh, we are working on incorporating more and more pcrs into our packaging so mm. it impacts the environment on a more minimal level yeah.
1: um yeah uh i do want to say um probably if you want to think is there anything about chemist confessions products you can recycle uh, the blank state bottle, actually, you can the yeah. ahead. All pumps, and most pumps as of right now, you're going to have to throw. Yeah. Um, there's springs inside, um, the pump valves, they all use different materials, and this is For the most part, not just our brand, a lot of other brands you're going to have to trash. But, yeah, I would say that's probably the one product where you can. And then...
0: Oh, the oil, the glass bottle itself. Again, not the pipette, but the glass, you can recycle along with your glass. But as Victoria mentioned, please be careful to rinse it out and not break it. And make sure your recycling company actually takes it.
1: Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, that's really it. And then one question that's also chemist confessions related someone asked how did the scientists determine oh this is in reference to our previous podcast (laughs) how did the scientists determine that the sea urchins didn't mind being moved to a new environment (laughs) well by asking them of Of course asking very nicely (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, hello, sir. Sir, sir, Mr.
1: Where are you going? I don't know, but I'm chill. <laughs> it's a great question. We didn't look into it. We should look into yeah, it. Yeah, but. Um, Probably looking for general signs of stress. That's the best thing I could come up with. <laughs> um, we are so glad people are paying
0: close attention to the animal phone Asking corner. the real questions. Real questions.
1: <laughs> so I think yeah. that will just conclude
0: this episode.
1: Oh, one more question. Oh, my bad. So... This one is actually in reference to, this is actually a serious question. We're going to be real for now. Okay. So <laughs> this one is uh, about a cleanser poll we did. Um, and by the way, thank you guys for all your inputs. Mm-hmm. Each poll is awesome and just has great commentary. One user asked us about the Ordinary squalling Cleanser. Um, she asked, shouldn't we consider this more as a balm? Um, but we had it listed as uh, cream. Yeah.
0: So, cleanser, nothing like the cleanser category that gives me like existential questions yeah. as a chemist. Because yeah. um, the reality is, I think the way cl- uh, chemists view cleansers will be very different than consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, consumers will see the format. So, cream, gel, um, bomb. that's why we broke it down that way. but again like even something let's say in a cream cleanser section it varies wildly Mm -hmm. it could be a soap cleanser Mm -hmm. it could be a sulfate based cleanser cocoa betaine based cleanser or in this case the squalene cleanser kind of falls under this category
1: yeah and we look at it you know ultimately um to explain if you look at the aisle you'll see both water and oily components um ultimately you're gonna have to make an emulsion and that's why we classify it as a cream so we've taken a more technical way of looking at it um i could totally see it as a balm because it's got kind of a milky, fatty little foam kind of um consistency and yeah that's you know why it's so confusing shopping for cleansers Mm -hmm. and that's why we kind of break it down the way we do um but great questions all around and honestly probably debatable depending on how you slice it yeah Yeah.
0: and i personally would feel the need to double cleanse with that particular formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so point. in that sense, like as a consumer or as a user, I would put it a- along with the bomb. So yeah, yeah there's no one particularly right way to do it. Yeah. So great
1: question. All right. Thank God. We um, end. I don't think we could torture you, you guys anymore. <laughs> 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 that tequila is necessary for this topic. But this concludes Episode six. Yay. Yay!
0: Thank you guys for sticking around and yeah. you witnessed the spiral of two chemists <laughs> <in> two craziness. <laughs> Just swirling
1: away. <laughs> All right, Gloria. Uh where can they find us?
0: Yeah, um, if you have any questions for us, you can comment on this YouTube video. You can write to us at info at chemist confessions.com. Find us on our website, www.chemistconfessions.com or find us on Instagram uh, at chemist.confessions. Awesome. So
1: thank you guys so much for sticking around. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. It will be less than seven. <laughs> <laughs>